0: When I started this podcast about Wemby, I knew that I would take many departures from following the story of Victor Wembayana. Because let's be honest, how interesting can a 19 year old future NBA superstar be? With the first phase of episodes of The Prospect, the journey's been twofold. It has served as a platform to follow my true love of basketball a pursuit and sport that dominated my life from the age of five years old until today. It also is an exercise in following the trends inside the media landscape of the NBA and the money machines that cover it. It's been emotional and rewarding and different from my traditional investigative pursuits in the crime arena, and it's worked a creative muscle wherein I have to write, edit, and think on my feet each week on what to cover. This week, there was a lot to unpack, and I had to go back to my friend and colleague, the Greek freak, Johnny Agonopoulos. I wanted to understand the South Beach flu that descended on my New York Knicks. We had to talk John Morant. We had to talk the collapse of the Phoenix Suns. And lastly, the NBA Draft Lottery. Now, we taped this episode on Tuesday, so tonight we will find out where Wemby lands. And here's the teams that he could go to. You got the Pelicans, the Raptors, the Thunder, the Bulls, the Mavericks, the Jazz, Wizards, Pacers, Magic, Trailblazers, Hornets, Spurs, Rockets, Pistons. Obviously, the Spurs, Rockets, and Pistons have the best chance when that ping pong ball comes out. So by the end of this week, we will probably know with 99% certainty where Wemby will start his NBA journey. One parting thought that started me on this journey is that my original hypothesis still stands that Wemby, while he is being anointed the next NBA billion dollar superstar, he's gonna face more scrutiny and media obsession As a cautious example, look no further than Ja Morant and the new release of his Nike sneaker, along with yet another video of him waving a gun on Instagram Live. Wherever Wemby goes, his life will be live, unedited, and uncut for all to see, with more cameras and recording devices than ever before. Just think about that pressure. And ask yourself, is he ready? Without further ado, here is the Greek in this week's Prospect. Greek, welcome back. I had a whole list. I have a whole itinerary in front of me that's got a lot on it. But I'm going to start where we need to start. And that's with the Phoenix Suns. And here's my contention, okay? Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are arguably two of the best players in the NBA you could probably make a case that the way Booker played that he might be the best player in the NBA and Kevin Durant is a close second I don't want to hear any excuses I don't understand the firing of Monty Williams I don't understand how you get almost 80 points a game from these two and you
1: can't figure out how to win i will okay number one let's start at the top which is the monty williams firing Mm -hmm. i am truly torn um i think i don't know if there's ever been a better human being who was the head coach of the phoenix suns as a As a human, I love Monty Williams unconditionally. When you look at where the Phoenix Suns were as an organization, when Monty Williams took over this team to where they are now, I mean, we were a laughing stock. We had won, just won 19 games. We had the worst record in basketball when Monty Williams got this job. And to see where we've come in four years is a testament to who he is as a man, as a motivator, and as a coach. All that being said, over the last two years, really a year and a half, because it really began last year in the playoffs, uh, beginning in round one with the New Orleans uh, Pelicans series that the Suns eked out. But I think it's fair to say. That Monty Williams was outcoached by his former assistant, Willie Green, in that playoff series. There is no question that Monty was severely outcoached in the second round by Jason Kidd against Dallas. This year, it's kind of hard to judge him as a coach because of everything that transpired from the beginning of the season, dealing with the, the contract drama of Aiton. No,
0: Greek, all I'm hearing is excuses here. No, no, I'm, I'm getting to my point. I didn't even add Aiton into the mix where with those three players, if you can't win basketball, you can't blame Monty Williams. You can't say he was out coached. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it in today's NBA. It rings false. It just, it doesn't add up. It
1: just doesn't add up. Okay, that's fair. And and, and you, you stopped me before I was getting to my point, which is I can't blame Monty Williams for a lot this year. I think he was put in an impossible situation. I think trying to, uh, as you know, I've told you a number of times, I, I thought that the odds, I mean, in the history of the NBA, No team has ever made a trade the magnitude that the Suns made at the trade deadline and gone on to win the championship. In 70, what, six years we're at now in the NBA's history? I just felt like this team was incomplete. It was incomplete going into the playoffs. You saw it with Monty still searching for rotations, whether it was the fifth starter, whether it was the bench. I mean, you would have a guy like TJ Warren who doesn't play for the first, first round, basically, and then all of a sudden, he's your first or second guy off the bench. Same goes for Terrence Ross. I think outside of the top four on the Suns, it was really a grab bag of what you were going to get outside of those top four players. And then you factor in, you lose Chris Paul to a pulled groin in Game Two. Um, it, it was just a it was a shit show. And you know, while Booker Booker played his ass off in the playoffs i don't even think kevin durant was kevin durant for the majority of the playoffs because he's overcoming two injuries the the mcl and then he sprains his ankle i i just don't feel like monty got a fair shake at all this year i will say this i feel like the sun's lost to a better basketball team i uh, there's a lot less uh, anger and disappointment in this year's elimination than last year's. Last year, we were a better team than the Dallas Mavericks, and that was unexcusable. This year, we lost to the team that's been the best team in the West since November, and with quite possibly, I, I think, the best player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic, um, we just—they lost to a better team, and I don't understand. How that falls on Monty. I think this is typical new owner syndrome where a new owner comes in and decides he wants his guy running the show. We have no idea who his guy is. I mean, we're all hearing the same whispers, but I do feel like Monty was made the fall guy for this. I am starting to hear little whispers about uh, Booker and Durant having input into the coaching change, which if that's true, it's disappointing because of the relationship that both those guys have with Monty Williams. Uh, but I do feel like monty has been made to be the scapegoat here. And, and, uh, I, I don't think it's altogether fair. And the grass is not always greener. I, I mean, just because we fired Monty Williams doesn't mean we're going to go out and find a better coach than Monty Williams. I mean, there's, uh, I'm not going to lie. I have some, uh, I, the, the Matt Ishbia era, uh, obviously he comes in and within 24 hours of buying the team, he pushes the Kevin Durant trade through. And two days after we get eliminated, he fires the coach. So there's a little bit of fear that maybe he's making some rash decisions and this could bite us in the ass. I mean, it's fair to say that about the Durant trade right now, you know, look at what we traded for Kevin Durant. And. Our first playoff run with Kevin Durant ended rather unceremoniously with Kevin Durant, not playing like Kevin Durant. So there's there's a lot of shit to unpack with the Phoenix Suns right now.
0: Well, we'll track it in this offseason. Next um, on my uh, agenda here is obviously we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. The NBA draft lottery is tonight. Um, Which basically means we'll find out probably with 90% certainty where Wemby will go. Um, Just
1: give me a quick rundown of your thoughts on the draft lottery. I, I love the draft lottery. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I cannot wait to watch at 5 o'clock, especially with a franchise-altering player like Wemby as the prize. Um, I am hoping desperately hoping that tonight's lottery winner resides in the Eastern Conference because the last thing I want to see is Wemby coming out west and landing somewhere like Dallas or Portland uh, because I, I truly believe Wemby Wim, will change the direction of whichever franchise he lands with. So I'm I'm rooting for Wemby to land with the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons, the Indiana Pacers, Uh, just go on down the list out east. I do not want Wimby on this side of the Mississippi River. So uh, I'm excited to see who gets them. I think you said 90% certainty. I think it's 100% certainty because whoever gets that, the, the, the golden ticket, like they say in the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory movies, there is, you know, I heard Bill Simmons talking about it the other day. He made the argument that outside of maybe Giannis, and Jokic everything else would be on the table for a Wemby trade like would you trade Luka Doncic for Wemby would you trade even a Steph Curry he brought up and I think that's a fair question I don't know what's out there that I would take in a trade over the rights to Wemby for basically the next eight years so I think whoever wins that whoever's uh, whichever team comes out of that envelope for the number one pick is holding on to that pick and they are going to build their organization around Wemby
0: Yeah, it should get interesting. Um, The next thing I wanna talk about, and I'm curious about two things with this, is obviously, again, this week, another video with John Morant on Instagram Live with a pistol. And here's my thought process. You know, this was a big deal during the season, right? Right? this idea that he, he he went down to some facility and got help well obviously it seems it seems ridiculous here on a, on many fronts and um but again you know is this a story because of because of who ja is because of what's at stake maybe gets lost in the nba final you know media rush and again, he now goes and gets help
1: and, and he's okay to start the season. What do you think? I think it's gonna actually go the opposite way. I think Jaw is in some deep, deep shit. I think I think we're probably looking at a minimum of uh, a quarter of the season next season that Jaw will be suspended. I mean, he got an eight game suspension for the first gun video. Uh, you know, apparently from what I've read, there were a number of conversations between Ja and the commissioner's office. And it was made pretty clear to him that like, you know, that he's got two strikes and if there was any more trouble, they were going to bring the hammer. So my expectation is the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be missing Ja Morant for a minimum of 20 games next season to start the year. I think this, uh, This is devastating, not just for Jaws' career, but for the Memphis Grizzlies. The guy that you've built your organization around has now shown himself to be so unreliable that, what, a month and a half after, you know, he's stuck in the middle of a shitstorm with the Washington Post and the NBA and having to go on TV with the the PR tour, you know, the Jalen Rose interview talking about how sorry he is. I think this is a really, really big deal. And I think it's a big deal for two reasons. Number one, the NBA is going to come with a swift and harsh penalty because they've already warned him after the first suspension. But number two, now, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you really have to question if you can hitch your wagon to this guy going forward, because I mean, think about the arrogance and stupidity it takes after just having everything blow up in your face that like what what's it been two weeks since the season ended and now he's doing more IG videos with guns. I mean it's it's as bad as it gets. And I have serious concerns for John Morant's future at this point. I mean if if he can't go longer than a couple months without getting in trouble after all the shit he caught, you know, late in the regular season. I, I am I'm actually very concerned for him as a human being and I think his career is in real jeopardy right now. Do you think Nike pulls uh, the
0: the shoe deal and does someone like a Powerade pull pull there? Nike didn't the first go around. They the shoe came out. You know, I think a few weeks ago it sells out every time it drops on. Uh, you know whatever date they're dropping a new color it's it it sells out i've seen um so do you think
1: nike pulls um the shoe i i think what'll happen is nike powerade all the people that have sponsorship deals with Ja are going to sit and wait until the nba's quote unquote investigation is complete and once the nba comes out with their findings and a punishment That, I think, is when you'll see some people. uh, Nike, it's interesting. I think Nike is kind of stuck here. I think Nike will try to ride it out, but do it in a way where they're not promoting Jaws shoe. They kind of just put them on the back burner and see if they can ride this out. I think other companies that Jaws uh, signed endorsement deals with will back out. I think you'll start to see something similar to What happened with Kanye West after his anti-Semitic remarks and stuff like that? You're going to he's going to become radioactive for a little while. And I honestly, again, because you're talking about a guy who two months ago sat up there on national TV and did these emotional interviews and talked about how he has to be better. So a lot of these people are going to wonder how they can actually believe job when he says he's going to be better. So I think it's going to hit him hard. Financially, I think Nike will hang in there kind of like Adidas did with Kanye where uh, they just kind of he vanishes from, you know, not just their promotional campaigns, their commercials. They're not going to do big releases for his shoes for at least six months to see how this all plays out. But he's in serious danger of losing all his endorsement deals. The next
0: thing, we, we, we covered the Suns and obviously um, we'll keep tracking that story. Let's go to the Eastern Conference and here's my theory. The Miami flu is stronger than we thought. <laughs> Are these guys going to Miami and they're partying and they can't play basketball? What, what's happening? I mean, listen, I love Jimmy Butler. I love Eric Spoelstra. But the fact that the Miami Heat are in the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't understand. Something's going on here, Greek, that's bigger than basketball. I'm chalking it up to these young guys being in Miami. They're millionaires in Miami. Listen, the normal average guy loses his mind in Miami. Yes these guys are going down in Miami. Something's happening to it,
1: it, give, give me the rundown here with the, well, uh, the South beach flu is a real thing. I mean, it is a real thing. And it, if, if you look during the regular season, any team that has an off night, the night before a game in Miami usually gets the living shit kicked out of them the next day. It's the same thing in LA, the LA flu. Uh, it, it is. These are young guys with nothing but time to kill sitting in their hotel rooms by themselves there's no doubt in my mind that that plays a role. However, I think there's a couple things that number one, Miami, I, I don't think they're as talented as they have been in years past, but they're tough. They have a great coach, maybe the best coach in basketball in Eric Spolstra. Uh, I agree with that. I, I was going to say, I think Eric Spolstra pound for pound might be the best coach in basketball. Yeah, I, I absolutely would agree. I think he's an amazing coach. I do think you have to kind of look at each round separately. What, what Miami did to Milwaukee in the first round is, like I told you before, the biggest upset in basketball history. In the second round, I think more than anything, we just saw Miami playing a very flawed basketball team in the New York Knicks. Um, you know, Julius Randle had his typical second round flame out like he did a couple years ago. I feel like Miami just got a great matchup in the second round. Now, we'll find out because the Boston Celtics, to me, are a much more talented team than the Miami Heat. But Miami's just tough, man. They're like one of those, what's his name in the movie, the Halloween movies, Michael Myers. They are tough to put down for good. And I think they're going to give Boston a better run for their money than most people expect. Would I be stunned if the Miami Heat end up in the finals? No, I wouldn't. I think that Miami has a real shot. I think, again, you factor in the South Beach flu. You factor in maybe the best coach in basketball. You factor in a guy like Jimmy Butler, who, for whatever reason, once the playoff lights come on, becomes one of the top five players in basketball. It's a, it's a great story, and I'll be honest. I'm. <laughs> if you were to look at the first play-in game when the Miami Heat got their asses kicked by the Atlanta Hawks, to where we are now, it's one of the crazier stories in NBA playoff history. I put it up there with, the, was it the 99 New York Knicks that were under 500 that ended up in the finals. This is that same kind of vibe I'm getting right now. It's uh, uh, They've just gotten on a roll in the playoffs, and they could ride that wave all the way to the finals.
0: Last topic here. Uh, Western Conference Finals starts tonight. Nuggets, LeBron. If LeBron is able to get to the finals against the Celtics and win, is there an argument
1: to be made at this point that he's better than Jordan? Well, if that were to happen, God, I hope that doesn't happen. No disrespect to LeBron, but I've stated numerous times how much I hate the fucking Lakers. Um, If that were to happen and LeBron was to win a championship this year, the argument will definitely gain momentum. There's no doubt about it. To me, MJ is always going to be the greatest ever. And it's it's hard to like put into words, but if you were there and you you lived through MJ's prime and you watched him and your team went up against him, you know <laughs> that no one will ever be like Michael Jordan again. He's the greatest, to me, the greatest competitive athlete I've ever seen in my life. However the talking heads, the screaming a smiths, the skip baylesses, that whole narrative will crank up. And I believe LeBron is number 2 on the list. I just don't think I don't think there's anything LeBron could do could, to get that number 1 spot because again, I I saw it. I lived through it firsthand. I I was in the arena when we lost to the Bulls in the finals. I was in Chicago Stadium for the triple overtime game in the finals that year. I lived through the Michael Jordan experience, and I don't believe I will ever see another athlete in any competitive sport at that level of dominance who you just knew was going to win. And think about this. If MJ doesn't go play baseball for a couple years, he's probably got eight championships right now, and this isn't even a conversation. So I think, I think Jordan, because of his multiple early retirements, uh, the, the numbers and the number of titles make this sound like kind of a competitive argument. But to me, it's not. To me, MJ is the GOAT. Uh, LeBron is definitely, and he I think he would lock up number two on that list if he was to win a championship this year over the likes of Kareem, Russell, you know, guys of that nature. But I don't think LeBron could ever overtake MJ. But that's just an old guy like me who watched basically every game Michael Jordan ever played.
0: All right, buddy. Last thing. Who wins the lottery? Give me your pick. I'll give you Oh, mine. boy.
1: Let's see. I think I'm going out on a limb here. I'm not going with the percentage favorites. I just have this feeling that Wemby, tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up and the Indiana Pacers are going to have the number one pick. And I think I'm
0: going, I'm going, I'm not going um, with the percentages either. I'm going with the,
1: uh, the Pelicans. Wow. Really? That would, that, that would, oh, are the Pelicans in the lottery? They have somebody's yes. pick, don't they? That's right. They have somebody's pick. Yeah. You might be right. That's what I'm going. If they, That's what if I'm he going. goes to the Pelicans, God help us all. You put him with Zion and Brandon Ingram and all those guys, I mean, we're doomed out west if he ends up with the Pelicans. So I'm, I'm rooting against your pick. Uh, but if that happens, yeah, we're all fucked out west.
0: All right, buddy. Well, we'll be back next week with uh, a lottery recap. Good to see you. Thanks. Speak Thanks, soon, Donnie freak. boy.
1: Sounds good.